I'm Turi Munti, and you're listening to the European Skeptics Podcast, the real ESP experience. Listening to the ESP, the European Skeptics Podcast, an independent weekly show in support of European level action within the skeptical movement. The ESP is run by individuals representing different skeptical groups from across the continent. This is episode number 154, and I'm your host, Yelena Levin, and joining me today is my co-host Pontus Bokman. Pontus Bokman. Всем привет. Hey Sarisan, how are you, Yelena? Have we met? <laughs> yes, I'm very well, thank you very much. Um I very focused and determined to get it's this. It's rather late in the evening, but um I, we've we've got quite an interesting interview uh prepared which I'm really looking forward. Yeah. Um and I hope that the listeners will find it interesting too. Yeah, it, it was a very interesting interview. We just hung up and now we're just recording this in arrears. Just just a little bit peek behind the curtains. This is how we do things. Unfortunately, Andras couldn't join us today, but we're doing our best. And uh, as, as Jelena said, this is a fantastic, it's very interesting interview because it's about something that may take off or may not, but it's a new idea, something that's taking shape as we record this. And uh, well, my reaction was when I heard about this uh, was that this is not about facts and skepticism and stuff. But uh, then we looked into it and it said, yeah, it really is. It's so you are now, Pontus, um, <laughs> talking in riddles. To, I am, so let's, I am. let's not um, hold anyone in suspense any longer and start the interview right now. All right. On every other episode, we usually interview someone who is interesting from a skeptical point of view, either by representing an organization of a certain European country or a project stretching across borders. And this time we talked to Turi Munte. In 2008, he launched Demotics, born as a global free speech platform. It became the largest network of photojournalists in the world and exited to Bill Gates' uh, Corbis. He now runs a venture capital firm with a focus on media and media tech and sits on the board of Index on Censorship, Open Democracy and the Signals Network. He's here to talk about his uh, latest creation, web resource called Pali, and he will tell us all about it. Uh, Turi, welcome to the show. Yelena and Pontus, thank you so much for having me. All right. Yeah, great to have you on the show. That's an exciting little project you've got going. But before we uh, uh, dive into talking about it, can you please tell us a little bit about yourself? When you've got in touch with us, you kind of dropped the name of Susan Gerbic, who we all know. How are you connected? And also, what's your <laughs> relationship with the world of skepticism? So, uh, apart from apart from being one, my relationship to the world of skepticism has really popped recently in so far as this project brought me face to face with a, a whole world of a, a way of thinking but this but it, but, but i suppose it, it kicked off two or three years ago and this is sort of the, the inception of pali um pali by the way is spelled p a r l i and it, and the website is p a r l i .co c o so i live in london and in 2016 we had this 
little referendum some of you may have heard of. Um, mm. it, yeah. was a, it was an interesting year around the world. But we had this interesting referendum around Brexit in the UK. There was a small matter of a US election, which, which produced an interesting result. My wife is Italian, therefore we look quite closely at Italian politics. And there was another referendum in Italy, which Matteo Renzi, desperate to try and reform some of the most obvious problems with the Italian constitution, also lost. And over that period, it occurred to me that, um, that the consensus, I suppose, the political consensus that we had all been quite comfortably living with over the course of the last generation, I suppose, broadly liberal, broadly pro-free market on the one hand, broadly pro-welfare state on the other, that kind of political consensus that we were in and that we, I at least was extremely comfortable <laughs> with was, was being blown apart. And one of the things which struck me was that, that my generation, the generation of people who've been brought up with it, had uh, managed in a sense to avoid having to have the arguments with political positions that were very far from theirs because those political positions political moral cultural positions were so on the extremes that they didn't they didn't they didn't really impinge on the main conversation and over 2016 i started to realize um that i'd been blind and that um a lot of these ideas had been whether they are uh, outright superstitious or straightforward sort of not, straightforward racist the more extreme extreme opinions were starting to creep back into main, mainstream discourse and we needed we needed to get better as a generation at, at arguing with them, and so I suppose that's where I started to think of uh, that's the that's the crossover with um, the skeptics' approach, which is obviously much much broader, much much deeper, and much more and much more long term. Mm. But essentially, I'd been living in a bubble where I could broadly avoid a, a lot of the what I thought was the rubbish, and uh, it suddenly occurred to me that that wasn't the case anymore. And so that yeah. I suppose is where Parley emerges from. So, so par- Parley is trying to organize the arguments pro and con different things right is that is that correct exactly so a starting point and again i'll go back to brexit simply because it was so traumatizing for a british society but it occurred to me as we built up to this absolutely fundamental referendum that we spilt literally billions of words on going through the arguments for and against remaining inside the European Union. Billions of words in newspaper opinion columns, in uh, on TV, on the radio, on the web, on podcasts, in pubs, in family dinners, etc., etc. And uh, as I started thinking about it, it occurred to me that most uh, people would probably be able to lay out the arguments for and against Brexit on the back of an envelope. And so um, I, I, it seemed to me such an extraordinary waste of time to be going round these arguments over and over and over again when they had, in many cases, been pretty well formulated in one place or another. And the problem with having to keep on going over them over, uh, again and again is that you didn't really accelerate the conversation. You didn't take the conversation forward. What you constantly seem to have would be two sides broadly shouting the same things at each other. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That got me thinking. And I think that the, the, the key realization that launched Pali as it is was that, in fact, there is a very finite amount of arguments and opinions that are relevant and important about pretty much all issues. So on the premise that we could probably map the reasons for and against voting to remain in the EU, for and against Brexit, if we can map those on the back of an envelope, which is a super complicated 
or felt like a super complicated issue. You could probably do the same thing for belief in the existence of God. You could probably do the same thing for, for the legalization of abortion. You could probably do the same thing for transgender bathrooms, which is a, uh, an issue of the day today, uh, for no platforming or platforming, which is another issue of today. If you could map one argument, you could map all of them, and very hubristically, like a James Bond Blofeld, um, <laughs> I, it suddenly occurred to me that it would be possible to create a platform to map all the opinions about all issues. And so that's, I suppose, where, where Pali came from. But but it sound it sounds on the on the surface of it it sounds like there's so many opinions there's so many different variants of it but but if if I may say so what you realized and if I put words in your mouth is that Please. there aren't there aren't that many different opinions you can actually charter those opinions quite easily and you can make a chart of this exactly so that's spectacularly simple and ex- and extremely banal and as we talk it through also kind of obvious mm. but we're in a particular cultural period and it's the period of of me i suppose it's the age of me but we are all i think certainly in europe and i think this is absolutely the case in the us as well we're living through a period in which we hallow we sacralize the individual we think of ourselves as all profoundly different and unique in all our way different ways which is true but we also then extend that and think well if there's an infinite number there's you know seven and a half billion people in the world Like Tim Minchin says, there are seven and a half billion different opinions in the world because everybody's unique and everybody has value. All of their opinions are unique and all of their opinions have value. And that is, it turns out, a very new view. For the longest time, we thought that there was, and this is complicated and problematic too, but we also we thought that there were opinions which were correct and there were opinions which were incorrect. We thought that there were experts about things that should be listened to because it was, it was likely that their views on the subject were going to be more sophisticated than the man in the street. And so I think that probably my realization is probably reactionary, quite retrograde, but it's to say, actually, no, um, on, on, pre- on all issues, there is a finite number of opinions. It appears that those opinions might be different when you speak to different people in your pub, bar, coffee shop, around your dinner table. But it's, it's, it's really the formulation of the opinion rather than the opinion itself. Mm-hmm. And so I suppose, why do this? Why might it be useful to map? all opinions about transgender bathrooms to map arguments and opinions around the belief uh, in the existence of God. Mm-hmm. And I think um, I've, I've sort of boiled it down to three core things. The first is, as I say, I want to accelerate the conversation. I think that I was so frustrated by the, quite apart from the lies and mistruths over the Brexit debate, but I was so irritated by the fact that we just kept on going around these damn things over and over again, like hamsters in a wheel, not getting to the actual, to the sharp bits of of the conversation, because we kept on going back over these blasted arguments over again. So on one level, I really wanted to try and to accelerate the conversation. And so having these arguments laid out there is as uh, essentially as a dictionary of arguments, an encyclopedia of arguments, hopefully gets us to the more interesting bits of them faster because we don't have to rehearse them time and again. Mm-hmm. So what I hope Pali can do is um, help us understand the world not just a little bit better, but also a little bit faster. Yeah. So that's one. The second thing that I think I wanted to do is to, is to stop us having to go over these blasted arguments over and over again. And there, take a classic example. Um, there's a school shooting in the US for the nth time this year. And Twitter erupts like a Christmas tree, like a fireworks display with the uh, gun control 
team on one side hurling abuse into the Twitter sphere and the, the uh, anti-gun control uh, on the other hurling abuse into the Twitter sphere as well. It's a screaming room. It's a shouting room. And one thing that we all know from personal experience, n- nobody is b- less good at explaining to you their opinion than the person who's shouting yours down. We can't hear opinions when they're shouted at us. And so um, what I'm trying to do is to, is to stop us having to do that. So that we can, we can go, okay, I've understood the argument for gun control and I've understood the argument against gun control because it's been clearly laid out to me. Where do I stand? How can we bring those arguments together? Is there a middle way, et cetera? Okay. So that's, I think, the second piece. And the last thing is I, I hope Pali can become a tool for us to help, for us to work out what we think as well as what other people think. I want to, I want it to help us understand how people on the other side of the fence come up with their opinions. And I also think, that in the greater service of, of rationalism, Pali can be a tool for, to help people understand where their conditioning is, where their woolly thinking is, help them understand where they stand on a, on, on a particular issue. Um, one of the things uh, that I've noticed on your website, because you, as, as you mentioned, you have launched it recently, it doesn't have um, a lot of information, but it's got like a basic examples and some of the uh, arguments and the pros and the cons. So then the opinion will, will also have links like to support the argument. I'm assuming those those uh, links uh, work in the same way that they work in Wikipedia, where the resources that they hopefully are uh, well uh, ch- checked and vetted, and then let's say if they're referring to a research, that there'll be um, peer-reviewed research, etc. I, I I wonder, in your mind, do you see Parley being misused for somebody with? Well, I, and, and you tell me, do you think there is such thing as a bad opinion, and it, it, could then people abuse it and go on Parley and uh, lay out all their? opinions uh, with arguments, counter-arguments, links, resources, research, etc. And in that way, those opinions will be then platformed and, and accessible to many more people than they are now beca- because they're on the fringes. That's a fundamental question, something that we've been, we've been bashing iron against. So what Pali is trying to be is, in a sense, a, a Wikipedia of opinion. It's essentially a, a meta layer above all opinions. So we're not trying to promote opinions, we're trying to describe them. And therefore, it's fundamental to this project, this encyclopedia of all the opinions in the world, that all the opinions should be up there, good ones, mediocre ones, fact-based ones, fact-less ones, and even sometimes the downright dangerous ones, because they exist out there in the world. And so what we want to do is to make sure that we are flagging the arguments which are scientifically valid, the arguments which have got no basis in scientific truth, the ones which are fairly mainstream, plain vanilla, accepted by most people, and those which are really properly, as you say, fringe opinions as well. So what we're in the process of designing is a way of looking at Pali based on validity, based on popularity, uh, based on geography, based on recency, etc., etc. So we want to have a whole series of toggles so that we can Platform is exactly what I'm trying to do, um, so that we can platform all the majority opinions, all the the, the opinions which are held in uh, by 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 largest groups of people. We can platform them, we can have them up there, and yet we can be absolutely clear that we are flagging the crazies and the dangerous ones as they are. So we already have flags for extremist arguments or positions which would be profoundly offensive to certain groups, etc. Yeah. So so the world is full 
of opinions, of course. I mean, there are millions and millions of opinions. How did you plan to get all of those opinions documented on Pali? Pontus, that's exactly why I wanted to talk to Yelena and you. Pali is a wiki. Pali is a collaborative project. And so what I'm trying to do now, um, literally just a matter of a week, of a couple of weeks after we launched, is to bring on that first core of contributors to find people who are interested in this project who think that there's we're trying to build a kind of knowledge monument i suppose we're trying to build uh, a new kind of encyclopedia of ideas and so i'm trying to find people who are who really care about ideas who are really interested in ideas and who think there's there's validity in in building out this this encyclopedia and this is why i've come to you because it seems to me that of all the groups that I might first contact, the skeptic community is sort of ideal, profoundly committed to rational thought in the world and arguing its corner, profoundly capable of debate and argumentation themselves. Um, and so communities, web communities, are mimetic. They imitate They imitate um, themselves. So my first big startup was, uh, as Elena said, Demotics, which was a a crowdsourced news agency. We ended up with 75,000 people on the platform producing their images, which we would then broker onto mainstream media. It was critical for us at the beginning to get the really good photographers to come and join us because by bringing on really good photographers, it meant that other people who were joining the site later were aspirational. They They wanted to, they were aspiring to the quality that they already saw on the site. And so for me, it's critical to get this core, this early community of Pali users um, to make sure I get the right community, and that's why that's why I've come to the skeptics. Yeah, it's basically crowdsourced. Everybody should go in. And how do you? How would you? Do you want to maintain or I mean monitor what's going on and and maybe moderate what kind of opinions you get on Parley? It's absolutely so. We will moderate not just the kinds of opinions, but really how they're formulated. So how they're formulated um, to ensure the basic sort of civility across the site for one, um, <laughs> but also to ensure that the the, the quality is there, the standard is there, the sophistication is there as well. But what I hope is that we will be able to do that with a community of moderators. So if I get this right, we will have built something which a large network of people who care about these things will feel committed to and interested in, will build themselves, not just in terms of inputting material and fleshing out arguments, but also in terms of moderating them and making sure that the site is self-policing. So it's in a very similar way to Wikipedia, I guess. Uh, for those uh, for those of us and listeners who ever edited Wikipedia, uh, we know that uh, quite often people don't get away with, with shoddy work because it's been monitored by quite a lot of people. So. Exactly. That's the mm-hmm. idea. So, well, I, I think you've already mentioned it a little bit, but you know, who are you trying to reach now? What kind of people do you feel will go in and, and do this? Is you know, like a Wikipedia editor going in every day and contributing a little bit. So skeptics is one group, but unfortunately we're too few skeptics in the world. How how we want to <laughs> reach out to, to others? Other communities, yes. Yeah. So, um, so I think... The, the skeptic community is perfect for for us. I hope, at least, it, it, it seems. It, it, I I I think that I think of the skeptic community as perfect for us at the beginning. I very much hope the skeptic community feels 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 the same thing. Um, but I think there are other communities that we're going, that are going to be um, interesting for us. The academic community is interesting. The Wikipedia edit editor uh, community is interesting. Eventually, what I'd love is to be able to bring on the holders of opinions. 
to come in and really properly flesh out the areas that the opinions that they hold. So, for example, if if you, Pontus, somebody who believes fundamentally in the ontological proof for the existence of God, um, why not? Uh, why not? Then um, <laughs> the ontological proof for the existence of God has been badly uh, rendered on Pali. I must go in and fix it. So, I also think that we'll slowly, and I don't really want to bring them on immediately because I think we risk having issues if we bring on those interested communities too early. But I think I, hopefully they, they start playing in as well. Mm. Okay, I did have one more question, but if you don't want to answer, that's fine. We can cut it out. But who is currently funding this project? <laughs> so um, we were very lucky in so far as we got a Google grant to build the prototype. So we won a something called a Digital News Initiative grant, prototype grant for 50,000 euros. And 50,000 euros takes you pretty much all the way. So we've, we built the prototype with that. And then I have put in a little bit of, of money myself now so that we can continue to do a little bit of the tech work and, and start sort of discovering communities. But there are three of us involved in the project today. So there's me, who you now know a little bit about, and I have two partners. One is called Robert Shilston, and he is a fantastic engineer and chief technology officer. He used to be the, the director of engineering at the Financial Times, and he's been absolutely instrumental over the course of the last month or two um, as we look at how we build this out. And then I have the fabulous J. Paul Neely, who is a an amazing designer, um, who does service design and who teaches at the Royal College of Art here in London. He and I together for the last year, perhaps even more, have been bashing our heads together to try and come up with the core design features of Pali, mm. the most important part of which is the taxonomy. And that's the thing which has been hardest to render for us. Mm. Well, that brings me actually onto the taxonomy, which I think is is maybe interesting. I spent an enormous amount of time trying to work out how to do two things. The first thing that I want to do is to ensure that my son, who's a wonderful, brilliant, clever 16-year-old, but is 16, I want, and my daughter, who's a wonderful, brilliant, clever 12-year-old, <laughs> that they can come onto Pali and get a pretty good view of the landscape of opinion around any given issue. I want them to be able to come there and in, an, and in an instant, in a snapshot, get a sense of, ah, these are the terms of the debate. These are broadly the positions which count and which yeah. are against which this debate maps. And I think that's critical. The other thing that I want is also for this to be of value to people who really know the stuff. And so I have been treading this, we've been sort of treading this tightrope to try and work out how to build something which can be instantly relevant to somebody who just wants to get a sense of what the arguments are around, say, the Me Too issue or gun control or whatever it happens to be, but also people who really want to get stuck into the intricacies of, say, X or Y feminist position inside the Me Too movement and the differences between those two positions, for example. So I want to be able to create a space for real sophistication and I want to create a space for uh, instant snapshot. And so the taxonomy that we've got now on Pali has taken, it looks very simple, and it, maybe a clever person would have come up with it faster. But unfortunately, it took me a very long time to build it. And essentially, the way that the taxonomy on Pali works is we have a question, which would be, to go back to the one we keep on talking about, does God exist? And then to any question which has that kind of format, there are always four answers. Yes, no, that depends. And the fourth is, is would be something like, this is a dumb question. You're formulating the question wrong. It doesn't make sense to ask it in this way. Mm. So that actually provides us with a taxonomy for a great deal of the rest of it. So what we have is question, position, yes, no, maybe, 
dumb question. <laughs> and then below each of those positions, we have the arguments which justify or support those positions. So on does God exist? If you click yes, you'll see a smorgasbord of that was for you, Pontus. <laughs> Thank um, you. Uh, you'll have a smorgasbord of the core, most general arguments that are used to support that. Ontological, experiential, mystical, God knows what. Um, God really, in this case, would know what. Um, <laughs> but um, so that's so that's the structure that we built. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, I've I've been on your website and I've I've explored a couple of the opinions, um, and it works pretty well. Um, I can see how it can be very beneficial um, and and a great resource. Yeah, Yelena, it works so much better. It will work so much better if you don't just read, but if you if you get stuck in as well and edit a little bit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so this is my pitch to just to the skeptic community and to and to you and to you too. Yeah. The more I can 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 bring on a community, and the more the community has a say in the way that this thing is run, the better it will work. Mm. We are more than the sum of our parts. You know, when I when I first heard about you and this project, I was thinking, well skepticism isn't about opinions it's about facts so why should we care about why should we even interview you but then it occurred to me when i i looked on your website etc so what if you have a, a debate coming up with a flat earth believer wouldn't it be great to go into to parley.co and see what arguments there there are pro and con etc so when you actually go into the debate you are prepared and you know what arguments to to uh, anticipate but also why they would be bullshit you have time to to formulate your answer to those exactly so pontus the critical thing here is that pali is not a place for people to argue yeah pali is a place for arguments to be described this is the reason that, that the skeptic community is so dear to me, is that I want to get the facts right about the ontological argument proving the existence of God. I want to have the clearest possible description of the of flat earthism. Mm. I want to get as close as possible to be able to define the arguments of these various different positions. So I'm not advancing any of these positions. I'm defining them. And I think that's my hope, is that that will accelerate our conversation so much faster than, in a sense, almost having the debate, laying it out there. What are the views of the flat earthers? What are the views of the spaghetti monster god <laughs> crowd? What are, yeah. what are the views of the miracle believers? What, let's, let's have them there. Let's explain them. Let's explain them in a way which is profoundly civil, which is respectful of those of, the, of those opinions, but lays them out as they are. Yeah. So just describing the opinions, not taking a position. Precisely. Yeah. I think that Pali can become a very large media site, mm. not the size of Wikipedia, because Wikipedia has 17 and a half billion pages a month. And, and actually, they answer a greater need, which is around fact, around all around these sort of units of these units of, of ideas, facts, history, etc, etc. We're really dealing with with ideas, and there are fewer of them. But it occurs to me that there's no site, there's no media company that has won the search for is X, Y, does God exist? Should abortion be legal? If you type this question to Google, you get a variety of different things. You get, sometimes you get Quora, sometimes you get forums, sometimes you get chat rooms, etc. But what I, what we will spend a lot of time doing is making sure that as well as we can, we can get Pali to creep up the Google rankings so that it starts being surfaced 
as a place in which you get answers to these things. Because I think that's where we have impact. So when somebody Googles, does God exist? It depends where you are. It depends, the kind of, it depends on your own search history. But broadly, if you, if you type in those kind of questions, you may end up with a Mormon church. You may end up with, uh, <laughs> you know, the, the association of, of, of mosques of, uh, South Central Georgia. You, I mean, goodness knows what you end up with. But if Pali can start rising in those questions, then we risk getting a much, much broader, uh, segment of the population who are asking genuinely open questions about these things, but are getting extremely partial answers right now from the internet. Yeah. And the answers that Parley will get is actually not an answer. It will just be, this is the this is the opinions for, and this is the opinions against. And you as a user will have to evaluate those yourself. And Exactly. So we're not, we are being absolutely non-prescriptive. We just want the arguments laid out as concisely and as articulately as possible all in the same place so that they can be measured against each other. And so the hope uh, is to that um, we can finally progress and get somewhere rather than just keep shouting at each other all the same argument over and over again. And as a, as a humanity and as a, as a society, we'll get better. Is that? That's is that the, that's the, the, is the ideal? <laughs> your your goals are very modest. I know, I know, I know. I know. I, I'm, but but again, so <laughs> if you're if it's not big and not uh, difficult, then then come on. What are you doing on this podcast? Yeah, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> No, but I, I totally understand. And I, I, I agree with in regards to where we are at the moment. The, there's, there's no civil discourse. There's a lot of shouting. And, um, actually, I, d- I, n- I don't know many people who don't live in a bubble. Um, I wish I wasn't living in a bubble because I was in exactly the same situation when Brexit happened and Trump happened. But I since made effort to get outside of my bubble and uh, try to research the opinions of other people people who don't think like me and it's been a uh, uh, actually eye-opening that that's i think the most interesting piece for me is that, is that actually so i i spend most of my day looking at media and looking at media trends and trying to understand how people work because we invest in media companies and it turns out that actually you're absolutely right that we live in a bubble on one level and uh but but it's also absolutely true that we live in much less of a bubble than we used to but in a particular way so let me let me let me explain that Anybody who spends any time on social media or anybody who spends actually any time even on even on normal media is constantly being fed the opinions of people on the absolute opposite sides of the spectrum to them. And it's done algorithmically. So Facebook, YouTube is perhaps even the worst of this, is constantly showing you clips or articles or stories of things which you probably don't like. And, it, and the reason, one of the reasons you're seeing that is because, because outrage generates clicks. So actually, we're seeing all the opinions of people we violently disagree with. We are just not, if you'll excuse this, this, this is a messy way of describing it. We're seeing those opinions, but we're not hearing them. So because they're being framed to us deliberately so that we hate them. So it's accelerating that factionalism. And it's genuinely the policy of Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube to make that happen because it means that we spend more time there. We love getting irritated. We love the outrage when I see somebody whose opinion I disagree with. But that's the fundamental issue is that we are seeing all these various different other tribes of, of opinion out there. But we're just not, we're not, we're never in a position where we can hear where they're coming from. We're never, I am, I am pro-gun control like most people I know. It doesn't make any sense to us every time there's a school shooting in the US. And 
the thing which struck me, I couldn't conceive of the sincerity of the people who were against gun control. I thought to myself, eh, they're all being paid by the NRA. They're, they're, they're all, they've, all, they've had their minds lobotomized. They don't really believe <laughs> this. They're part of uh, some mad conspiracy theory. This, that, and, the other. and that's how I've always imagined these people. Slightly crazy, sharp-toothed, knuckle-draggers. God knows where they are. It turns out that there are very, very strong arguments against gun control. But you need to really dig deep. You need to dig deep into the history of the American Constitution. You need to dig very, very deep in the idea of America and what it, how it, how it stands. And you need to get properly into the psychological mindset of people who are, who, whose very identity is determined by freedom and individual liberty. Absolutely. Sorry, I just, I was just using that as an example because suddenly as you get, if you get yourself into their heads, their opinions finally do appear sincere. It doesn't make them, in my mind, less wrong, but it makes them less crazy and it makes them less evil. In a sense, I'm not othering them. Yeah. I hear them. I understand where they're from. And now I can have a conversation with them. Yeah. No, I think that's a, that's very true. And I think it, one of the positions that we very easily fall into is to to think that the other part must be stupid because they don't have the opinions that I have. And that's mm-hmm. very, very seldom the the truth. Shockingly, most people are of average intelligence. <laughs> Who would have thought? But also, um, I found so you know with the gun control thing, we um, we became friendly with a, with somebody who is very much pro gun control, and uh, he was very he was able to very eloquently explain his position in a way that made sense. And actually, quite often you find that uh, you never thought of the right right reasons and right arguments. Well, I'm not saying right reasons, reasons and arguments by which these people reach the opinions that they hold. You're not aware of a lot of the um, information that, that's out there that might lead to these opinions. So we've got to still keep our critical, you know, minds and uh, be skeptical, but also give a chance to the uh, opinions other than our our own. Mm. As the world polarizes, and unfortunately, that's exactly what we're seeing. We're going to have to get a whole lot better at hearing and understanding yeah. opinions on very, very different sides of uh, from, yeah. from, from from us, and so. Uh, the current structure of the internet is categorically not designed for that. As I say, the platforms in which we all spend most of our time accelerate that factionism. They exaggerate it for economic reasons. And what I'm trying to do with Pali is to create a space for us to be able to hear them, for them to be explained to us in a way which is civil so that we understand where they're from and then can begin the conversation. Yeah. Well, I would, I would, I would voice a controversial opinion to get off the social media, but uh, you know. <laughs> well, you could, you could <laughs> a, document it on lot... Parley.co. Yeah, it's a whole, it's a whole different conversation. <laughs> <laughs> I look forward to seeing that on Parley. Yeah. <laughs> So great. And, and I think listeners should realize as well that this is a very new project. So if you go to parley.co, you will probably not see a full catalog of all opinions that are, are in the world because it's still very much uh, building up and starting up. So, But is that where people should go right now or is there any other resources they should use? Or, no, or, so Pontus, that's exactly right. They should, if the idea sounds interesting... Um, and, and they feel that there is value in trying to build up this knowledge base, to build up this encyclopedia, then they should go to parley.co, parley.co, um, and find all the, we call them argument stubs, they're sort of their opinion stubs there. That's just the beginning, it's just the beginning. And either start new ones themselves or edit the things that they start seeing, that they see that, that exist already there. Mm. Just to begin building a, a community of people who 
who can. Yeah, and it's fully fully functional as it is today. It is. Yeah, great. Excellent. Great. You just have to fill it with content now. All we need now is a community of clever, argumentative, uh, insightful people who care about who care about accuracy um, and who care about civil discourse. All right. Well, I hope we uh, appealed to an, an audience, <laughs> and you'll you'll get some responses back. One thing to one thing to yeah. say is that um, I would love direct feedback as well. So, if anybody wants to get directly in touch with me, you should please share my email. It's tmunte t m u n t h e at gmail dot com. But perhaps you might write that in. We the will put podcast. it in the in the show notes. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Um, is there anything else you want to mention before we go, Turi? Just, just to thank you both and to thank uh, European okay. Skeptics Network. All right. Okay. Thank you very much. Have Thanks. a lovely, very good evening. Yeah, you too. It's been a pleasure. Cheers. All right. Take care. All the, all the best and good luck with the project. All right. So there you have it. Parley.co is the website. Yeah. Register and contribute if you've got opinions and time and desire to do so. Which I hope you do. Who would have guessed that opinions would be something that skeptics would be um, promoting or looking into? And I, I think it's time. I think it's time yeah. to have that platform. Yeah, opinions matter, even though they're not facts that you could look up on on a peer-reviewed paper. Well, opinions is how we got to where we got to. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, no. And even if you don't agree with opinions, at least let's find out what they are and how you counter them. It's interesting. Mm. Mm. Yeah. And if we are better informed for it, I think the job is well mm -hmm. done. Mm -hmm. All right. I think there isn't anything else much to promote. Is there anything from you, Pontus? Well, no, not really. But I think we could remind people how to reach us and where, where we are and how they can support us. We sure can do, and uh, you can reach us by emailing us. Our email address is info at theesp.eu, and Twitter is espodcast underscore eu. Uh, you can also go to onto our, our website, which is theesp.eu, and send us direct message. And of course, we're also on Facebook. Mm. So like us there, reach out to us, express your opinions. Oh, right, that's good one. Well. <laughs> We're kind of more after the news articles and uh, skeptic-related events and, and happenings. But, you know, why yeah. not? And we'll be really happy to hear from you. Absolutely. And, you know, you, we should remind people that they can go into our website, theesp.eu, and click on the Events in Europe page and see all the things that are go all the exciting things that are going on in Europe all the time. Skeptics are very busy people and they do uh, arrange a lot of very interesting events, skeptics in the pub, talks and other things. So, so go in and look at that. And if you like what we're doing and want to support us, you could go to patreon.com slash the ESP and pledge to contribute a little bit for every episode that we are releasing. Uh, we are not doing this for the money. And uh, you are probably not supporting us because you, you, you expect to get something in return. But I will give a little bit of a spoiler here because maybe there will be something in the future that we will release to only the patrons. I will not say anything more about that right now, but uh, be among those uh, select people who, who support us and maybe you'll get a surprise in the future.
All right, great stuff. Well, thank you very much, everyone, for listening and tuning in. And until next time, пока-пока. Bye-bye. This has been your ESP experience. The show is produced and recorded by the ESP.eu. Join us again next time, but until then, please send your feedback, comments, or death threats to info at the ESP.eu. We would also love to hear your ideas and suggestions regarding future episodes, as well as news from your country of residence that might interest others across the continent. If you have a local event or organization to promote, please don't hesitate to let us know, as we are more than happy to help. All music in the program was written and performed by Keisha J. Gray and George Schraub and is used with their permission. Please check out our webpage at www.theesp.eu, follow us on Twitter at espodcast underscore eu and like us on Facebook. I don't know how you can believe Also we've got a Twitter at and it's at the e, and it's at ES What What is it? I don't know where it is. I I don't know Twitter. Oh, oh my George, God. George. What a fucking disaster when I was